And it's like the exact opposite of something like, say, a Western, where everything seems to be so straightforward and down to earth, and we're just going to call it as it is. Like, you know, hey, you're a bad man, sir, and I'm going to blow your head off. (laughs) Dodge this. I am the father. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one god man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 105 of the Movie Bite podcast. Today, as always, we're going to talk about some movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Wednesday, September the 10th, 2014. I am TJ, your host, and joining me today, he's called the September Man because uh, that's what month it is. It's Joe Darnell. Yes, I am in the midst of my spy agency career, and uh, let me tell you, I just never get the job done. So they say I'm always in the midst of it. I'm always at the beginning. It's like Joe gets started, we enter in the fall, and then he just comes to a halt. He doesn't get the job done. Yeah, hence the September man instead of Yeah, November. like, let's really make this clear. Let's make this obvious. Let's, make, let's just tell the audience why we called me the September man. I mean, Thank why you, not, you know? Because they, they they don't know anything, TJ. We have to explain it for them. Yeah. Well, we'll have we'll have more to say about that when we get there, I'm sure. But you can. this is kind of a, a foreshadowing, you might say, of, of things to come, I, be, I, I believe. You had some items of interest you wanted to talk about, TJ. I do. And uh, the first thing I wanted to mention uh, is that there, there apparently is some justice in the world. Uh, a lot of times I look at the box office and, and which films are... are uh, you know, bringing in the big bucks, <clears throat> Transformers, <clears throat> um, and uh, I, I wonder if there's any any justice in the world whatsoever. But it appears there is. Sometimes the box office, uh, sometimes the people choose the right film, and this time they have Joe. Um, the yes, Guardians of the Guardians. Galaxy. It's bringing in the big bucks, man. I'm very happy to hear this. You know, I've actually caught this film now three times, and every time nice. I took somebody to see it with me, and it's just been a great experience every time. The and, and what I notice in repeat viewings is that it really hasn't changed all that much for me because I, you know, it's not like there's uh, a heck of a lot of things in the background to pick up on that I didn't notice in previous viewings, like say, you know, a a the, the Lego Movie. You know, there is so much happening in the way of visuals that you notice things you didn't see the first time and the second time. But uh, even so, this film is just so entertaining, and I'm really happy to see that. It's it's on par with like a Pixar film for that quality. Yeah, I'd like to see it again. I, I've been it's been really hard for me to see films more than once since I started Movie Bite because I, I keep so many irons in the fire. I really would like to see this one again. It, it was just so good. Uh, I'm going on vacation uh, at the uh, end of the month slash beginning of next month. Do you think it'll still be in theaters then? Oh yeah! If think, anything, so? if, if nothing else, the Dollar Theater. Don't you have any Dollar Theaters in Tennessee? Well, I'll, I will. We'll be in Missouri and in, in Branson on our vacation, so who knows what we'll find around there? Uh, really? But if there's oh, okay. time, and, and we will be on vacations, there probably won't be time. You know, vacations tend to sap the life out of everything. <laughs> it's mm. funny how that works. 
And I'm, it may I'm, already be on like yeah. Amazon Prime by then. Who knows? No, no, no. I doubt it. Why not? Why not? This is uh, the twenty. 20- it's not this. I mean, we're still stuck in the old studio ways, Joe. Let's not have that conversation again. <laughs> That's not in the items of interest. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and believe me, we can go down that rabbit trail, and and I'm sure it would be good. But oh, yeah. Okay. So um, the news here. Well, this is an article on the playlist. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy was number one for the fourth weekend, though not consecutively, and could only take in $10.7 million. That's a pretty low figure for the number one slot, but indicative of the slow weekend, not the movie. And besides, everything's coming up roses for Marvel's movie. The picture has now made $294.5 million domestically, which means that the co- that coveted $300 million mark will be surpassed either next weekend or the one afterwards. The movie has grossed $586 million worldwide in six weeks of release and has hit a lot of milestones this weekend. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, there, there's certainly, Joe, going to be a time at which uh, Marvel will put out a flop. It, it will happen. Um, it happens to every studio at some point. But this is not that time. This is definitely not that time. Um, the, I'm very the, happy for them. Yeah, the, the article goes on to say that it's outgrossed Iron Man and has become the sixth highest grossing Marvel movie worldwide, fifth highest domestically. And mind you, Iron Man ran for 22 weeks in the U.S. Guardians has outgrossed every single Marvel movie except for the three Iron Man films. Uh, probably while when all is said and done, Guardians will be the third highest grossing Marvel film worldwide. And for what it's worth, it's still one of the higher grossing films of the decade. Um, I'm really disappointed to see the comparison with The Man of Steel, which just, it, it's always a sore spot for me because I have such high it. hopes for that film. It outperformed Man of Steel, though. I know, and I'm happy for Guardians, but that doesn't ha- give Gar- Man of Steel any excuse. It, mm. Like, The Man of Steel should have been better, and I don't oh, like d- thinking about how Poorly, the Man of Steel was, and it actually was, and how it, it's just—it's never going to go away. That film is it, it going to endure, and it's—it's uh, it's just sad that it's going to be around, and we'll always think back on the Man of Steel and what it could have been. So, yeah, I mean, I mean like, the Guardians proves what you can do with a bunch of no-name characters, and then you have Man of Steel with like all this potential, and it just. Yeah, it just it's the pits. Joe, you you may not know this about me, uh, because our relationship tends to be long distance. Um and we've we we've, you know, been in in the same vicinity a few times, but I um you may so you may not know this about me, but I really can't stand chalkboards. Nails on a chalkboard, chalk on a chalkboard, it all just oh it just the tingles are shooting up my spine now. I just ew, chalkboards. I, I have never been them. around you and a chalkboard yes, and, at the same right. time. So my point so. that I'm about to make here is I would far rather scrape my nails on a chalkboard all day than to watch Man of Steel again. Uh wow. <laughs> um we'll we'll try not to ever, you know, like tempt you and put you to the test, TJ. I'll do it. I will do it. Well, anyway, speaking of the Guardians of the Galaxy, so you found a Lego Guardians of the Galaxy short by Brotherhood Workshop on YouTube, and you had to bring this up because it's pretty cool. It's always nice to see the Lego community doing something profitable with their toy sets. Um, But for what it is worth, they actually bring up an interesting point about Guardians, and that is that there is no way in space that that cassette deck would work after 30 years yeah let me let me play let me play a quick clip from that uh that uh short real quick and then we'll we'll talk about it oh yeah listen to the beat feel the heart the soul that 
sounds awful. No, guys, you gotta listen past the old tech. Mm, move ya. I am Groot. Yeah, what he said. Uh oh. Hang on one second. This happens sometimes. Okay, I will get this unjammed here. Come on, come on. <gasps> no! What is that? iTunes, man. Get with the times. Oh yeah, that is a nice beat. All right, so that was the clip from the short that we're talking about, the Guardians of the Galaxy short by Brotherhood Workshop. Uh, and, and that's what I loved about this thing is, you know, if I have a compl- if I want to nitpick Guardians of the Galaxy, it's it's this whole tape deck thing. Like, like, really, um, that thing is still working after this many years. And, and I loved it when it ate the tape. I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s, Joe, as are you. So I'm sure that you've had your fair share of tapes ruined as I did in my childhood. Oh, heck, yeah. <laughs> Some of them were made by Disney. That yes. didn't make any difference. When you hear the chimes ring like this, you know, turn the page. <laughs> yes. Sadly, we just didn't have any Marvel cassette tapes back then. I'm sure that they would have played better. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they would have. Um, they were made out of some super indestructible thing, and they never tangled. And uh, what, what, what are if we saying, If your cassette saying, tape Joe? gets abducted, the aliens do something to it, and then it'll last for your, your lifetime. I love the part where Groot, I am Groot, and it was subtitled, and he's like, I, you know, the sound quality of this thing is bad, and Da, 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 da. And you yeah, should and consider it also upgrading. Gives, uh, it also gives Rocket <laughs> the chance to be nearly as tall as all the other Lego people because he's a miniature figurine. But he, I think he's actually a slightly miniature, more miniature mini figurine than the others. And but clearly, he's like dwarf size compared to human, you know, height and all. It's it's funny, uh, Lego people and uh, how different they are from the real world. The real rockets and the real Groots. Here's the here's the real um here's the real kicker for me about Guardians of the Galaxy and that tape deck, uh is that that you know that Peter Quill went around with is after thirty years that tape would be unlistenable even if it had never been eaten and the tape hadn't broken like you may remember after a couple of years you know three or four or five years of playing constantly and incessantly those tapes yeah, were not listenable magnetic, yes yeah the, the magnetism kind of like screws ev- up and it fades away every time you play a cassette tape um you're rearranging those you know the magnetic uh information just a little bit each time until it finally becomes unlistenable uh, so not only is there, and there's also the whole sound quality issue too. Like just initially, you're only getting about 20 kilohertz out of a uh, out of a tape. And I know you know people love to bash MP3s, the real big you know the audio files. I, I mean, for my listening enjoyment, MP3s are fine. I don't have a super massive huge sound system, so that may be part of it. Anyway, people love to bash MP3s, but 320 kilobits per second MP3 is like. There's just no comparison to a 20 kilohertz cassette tape, you know. So there's that issue. There's the issue of the degradation over time. There's that, anyway. So if I wanted to nitpick Guardians of the Galaxy, that, I mean, I just love this uh, that, that somebody else was thinking along these same lines, and I tried to squelch this feeling that I had about this tape deck. And here, they, here these guys are stoking the fire for me. So interesting. <laughs> so did the Brother Workshop make any other uh, movie related uh, Lego shorts? You did know, they that's, do anything that's else a good question. I don't know that I ever looked that up. Um, Brotherhood Workshop on YouTube. Well, we would definitely like to see some more there, brothers. Um, Lord of the Rings, Lego Lord of the Rings Orcs, Lego the Cranky Cave Troll, Lego A Hobbit Halloween, Lego and Elvish Valentine. These are some of their titles that they have on their YouTube channel. I'll go ahead and I Mm. cannot vouch for 
these uh, things that I'm about to put in the show notes. You know, you all use your own judgment or whatever, but of course um, you can vouch for them. They're on YouTube. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and put these in the uh, show that, that their channel in the show notes. Uh, yeah. And I recommend you definitely at least check this video out. Uh, I just, I, it, it tickled me pink. And especially if you're like me, a child of the eighties or early nineties, uh, you're going to know exactly what's going on here. It's, it's, yeah, great, great it's pretty, stuff. it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's cute. And speaking of cuteness, uh, Robert Downey Jr. says that he is not going to be an Iron Man 4, that there isn't going to be an Iron Man 4 when he was interviewed about his upcoming film, The Judge, for Variety Magazine or something like that. Uh, the yes. studio-only billion-dollar grocers to date have both featured megastar Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, The Avengers, and Iron Man 3, and given how well... Both have done, and unless the film is made up entirely of Thor-throwing kittens into a combine harvester, next year's <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron is likely to be even bigger. You would think that Marvel would be p- prioritizing another Iron Man movie, but they're not. Not so much another, uh, according to the film star in Toronto at the premiere of his film The Judge, Downey Jr. told Variety, When asked about a possible fourth solo movie for Stark, there isn't one in the pipe. No, there is no plan for a fourth Iron Man. I figure the reason is that they just kind of like ran out of uh, fancy metal alloy and stuff to build Iron Man suits. Like, well, you know, I, after uh, Iron Man 3, uh, Tony Stark went bankrupt. He threw in the towel. He wasn't Iron Man anymore. He is Iron Man now, and he doesn't need any fancy smancy suit. He he is Iron Man, you know? So if you want to watch an uh, a, a, um, Iron Man movie, all you need to do is catch up with another one of Robert Downey Jr.'s films because he is Iron Man, and there's <laughs> lots of Iron Man movies yet to come. I suppose you could look at it that way, although I don't think the judge is going to be Iron Man. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, in a way, I'm disappointed about this. But I actually also, you know, I, as I've thought about it, and I, I didn't feel this way when I wrote this article, but as I've been thinking about it, I, I kind of respect the decision. It's like, let's stop making these movies before they plummet into the depths of, of nasty awfulness and, you know... Let's you know. Let's let's let it go out on a high note. And Iron Man three was certainly a high note. I mean, oh. I would I would call it almost as good maybe as the first one. And and the first one was was great. And and that's the thing. Like you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man has been headlining the Marvel universe. But at some point you have to move on and maybe come back to it later. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I I'm I'm coming around to this thinking of you know let's not drive this franchise into the ground. Personally, I hear dissension in your voice. Well, my thing is, is that I think the best Iron Man film was actually the Avengers because sure. that was when the character was really well thought through and he still had a rel- relatively decent villain. And well, it duh, didn't it was, it was Joss Whedon. Of course, it was a good movie and Iron Man was in it. Therefore, it's an Iron Man movie. Sure, but that's no excuse for the other ones. Like, they were honest trailers cannon fodder because mm. apart from the brilliant character of Tony Stark and Iron Man himself, the rest of the meat and potatoes for the Iron Man franchise was a little bit iffy. Like, you were never quite... <laughs> Okay. satisfied with the villains mm, and okay. it was that annoying accent of the guy who does the board and you know and who, stuff what? like that what you remember the the russian guy the terrorist oh, okay like, okay oh, but that's iron board. that's iron man 2 though and i agree iron man 2 was not a good iron man movie it was not a good movie period okay and, well, and the third, but, iron, the, but iron man 3 i mean i have my quibbles with it no doubt and i like captain america better also no doubt but i liked iron man 3 it was a good film oh yeah and i like it too but like when actually like testing it against some logic it it falls apart pretty quickly like sure um like uh the, the batman the dark knight rises um stands up better 
than Iron Man 3. No, not a, not a bit. Mm. Not at all. Sorry, hate to hate that. You, you're just wrong, Joe. You're just wrong. Oh, a, okay, well, that's it, people. Good night. A, <laughs> I hope you had fun listening to this episode of the Movie Bite episode 105, the last okay, episode of the it's podcast. It's okay. You can be wrong sometimes. It's it's okay. We all we all are wrong sometimes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so my my you know my, my ultimate conclusion here is I'm okay with them you know not continuing the Iron Man franchise and running it into the ground. I think. What do you think? I'm happy that they're not going to produce another one if it meant that they would have been just taking the risk of uh, disappointing us yet again. So I- I'm okay with it. And we're, we'll still see Tony Stark in more Avengers films, right? Well, certainly in the next Avengers film. Now, the Avengers, uh, the comic, the the people who are in the team are not always the same. There's a changing cast. You know, sometimes only some of them assemble. So there's no, no guarantee we'll see Iron Man in the next Avengers film. But he's yeah. around. Like, he could always be called in. We assume... We'll assume that he's inactive in this universe, even if there are no more Iron Man films, and he could appear in other people's films. He could appear in Captain America. He can appear in the Avengers. He could appear in Guardians of the Galaxy. He can pe- appear anywhere, anytime in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I yeah, I could see him even doing a few cameos. You know, sure. like uh, what's her name? Black Widow does some cameos. She does some small parts, and well, other people I mean, as well. Frankly, Black Widow is um, you know, she doesn't have her own franchise, so she migrates from film to film. That's a little different, but yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking more along the lines of Wolverine, how he just crops up in unexpected places when there's not really a a great use for him in in a X Men film, but they still throw him in there because he's he's again Wolverine, I, I don't so. know what you're talking about because the X Men films, by and large, except for First Class, have always centered around Wolverine. <sighs> okay, if I had to be painfully specific, <laughs> I, that is the one I'm thinking about. I am thinking about the X Men First Class because well, that, in that was a one, cameo. He just shows up at the, at the bar, and yeah. that was well done. And I think that they could do more of that kind of thing with any of the uh, the superheroes. So well, if they don't have the Hulk given a movie, he should pop up every now and then. They shouldn't just mention Banner's name in passing. They should actually show like yeah. the Hulk at a bar drinking a beer and you know well, giving I mean, him a job opportunity and letting him turn it down and smash up the place. You know the the X Men First Class when uh, when Wolverine made his cameo in that way. Um, it got you know one of the biggest applauses and, and claps in the movie when I when I saw it you know so yeah it was probably the biggest highlight of the film for a lot of people yeah <laughs> I mean it was a good film but anyway oh, well well speaking yeah. of honest trailer fodder Joe look at me mm. look at me making the transition <clears throat> so Sweet. speaking speaking of honest trailer fodder um and speaking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for that matter and uh, speaking of Black Widow yeah. <laughs> Um, this is this is titled "How Honest Trailers Made the Winter Soldier a Better Film," and uh, this is a quote from I think it's from Joe Russo. Um, he says, "What's so funny is that I'm an avid honest trailer watcher. I love it. It cracks me up." So I think we talked about it in in the commentary we used. To, blah, blah. So I think we talked about it in the commentary we used to sit in the room and go, "This is not going to end up on in, in an honest trailer." The logic is sound. The logic isn't sound enough yet. We literally tried to honest trailer proof the movie because what honest trailers really is, and I'll say litmus test again, is how sound is the logic in your film? How ridiculous are the buys that you're asking the audience to make? So we would just comb through the script over and over again and go, how can we shore up this logic? How can we shore up this logic? So it was very helpful exercise for us. And I don't know if you watched the honest trailer for uh, the Winter Soldier, but they they the the guy said, and they had this hadn't come out at this time, but but the winner or the honest trailer said, uh, hey, we can really find a lot wrong with this movie, but you know it's us, so we're still gonna make fun of it. 
<laughs> yeah, and that was pretty cool. I'm really glad that A, the Honest Trailers came right out and said that. Because The Winter Soldier is a better Fan- film fantastic. for superheroes. Yeah. And it's also pretty cool that we come to find this out. And this this is the director, right? Uh, well, yes, there was a tag team effort by uh, Joe and Anthony Russo. Uh, but yes, this was one of the brothers. Yeah, so that's pretty sweet. You know, it, it's always nice to hear when a film, real filmmaker actually pays attention to the, what the audience has to say. And yeah. I imagine that a lot of them are scared away from the likes of YouTube channels like the, the Honest Trailers because they just don't want to, um, you know, uh, you know, bring themselves down to that level. But I'm, I'm thinking like, really, guys, y'all should listen to more Honest Trailers. And if more of the directors would take into consideration their kind of um, litmus testing, I think that we would see, generally speaking, better films, especially sci-fis and action films where the honest trailers dwell most and they do a great job of uh, chewing them out and spitting them, uh, chewing them up and spitting them back out again. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. A lot of filmmakers and even, you know, really hardcore film geeks, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say stuff like, Oh, I, you know, I hate the, I hate the honest trailers and I hate the cinema sins. And I, Frankly, I don't like CinemaSins that much either. But I, I do love honest trailers. I mean, they're just they're they're witty, they're they're humorous, they're they're making fun of the movie in a lighthearted way. Even right, even when the movie's bad, they're just making light and sport, just like they did with and I love the honest trailer for the Winter Soldier. And I love the fact that the Russos are into the honest trailers. I mean, that tells me they're down to earth humans, you know? And they 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 take themselves seriously enough, and yet they can have a little fun at their you know, their industry's own expense. I mean, I really enjoyed that. And what we like about honest trailers over things like Cinema Sins is how when you watch Cinnamon Sin, did I just call it Cinnamon? Yeah, Cinnamon. Yes, cinnamon. Yes, sprinkle a little cinnamon on it. it, it it's got too much cinnamon on their Cinema Sins. Um, the problem with Cinema Sins is that it just has uh, sort of a, uh, a self-defeating quality to it. When you're done, you feel kind of crummy that you watched that because now it didn't just uh, give you lighthearted entertainment to point, uh, you know, poke fun at the film. It actually feels like They've ruined the movie for me. Uh, well, yeah, they're they're not. they're not funny. They're they're um, they're, they're way they're too. They're a bit too snarky. A bit too sarcastic. Yeah. It's it's very very sarcasticy. Like there is no good movie, and we're here to point out all the sins of the da 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 da. And and or honest trailers. They're really witty. They're not too over the top snarky, but they're plenty snarky, and they're just they're, they're having fun. They're, yeah, there there is a right balance there. Yeah. Well, speaking about things that don't have balance or do have balance, maybe we should talk about this here review. Let's do it. Peter Devereaux. You know what we used to call you? The November Man. Because after you passed through, nothing lived. Peter, you need to look at this. It's Alice. She's in trouble. She has information on the agency that they'll kill to keep secret. If you want her to live, you gotta get back in the game. Excuse me, there is a call for you. Yes, hello? Listen to me very carefully. The woman you're with is a killer. Turn around. I'm right behind it. I know he trained you, but if he's with her, then he's against us. But the call is to terminate. Do you have a problem with the call? I do what I'm told to do, sir. Who are those men? Were they police? So, uh, our review today is The November Man. You just heard the trailer for The November Man, uh, a clip from that. Um, we'll link that up in the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, 
So the, it was released on August the 27th, 2014. The budget was $15 million. This is according to Wikipedia. It's not listed on Box Office Mojo for some reason, but Wikipedia says the budget was $15 million. It opened to $7.9 million, and the worldwide gross is $18.9 million. I should point out, when I say worldwide gross, I just mean the total gross. That it hasn't even opened anywhere but the United States. Um, Rotten Tomatoes says that the, the November Man has a few of the ingredients necessary for a better-than-average spy thriller, making it all the more disappointing that it falls back on dull genre cliches. The director was Roger Donaldson, writers Michael Finch and Carl – oh, I didn't practice this name – Gajusic. Gajusic. Uh, they wrote the screenplay, and then Bill Granger – wrote the book series that this film is based on. This film particularly is based on the book There Are No Spies, which is quite confusing because there's also a book in the series titled The November Man, and this film is not based on that book. It is ridiculously confusing. Uh, the film uh, stars Pierce Brosnan as Peter Devereaux, Remington, uh, who uh, is known for Remington Steele, James Bond, The Thomas Crown Affair, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The, the Lightning Thief. He made an appearance there. Um, it also stars Luke Bracey as David Mason. He was in G.I. Joe Retaliation. Uh, stars uh, Olga Kirilenko uh, as Alice Fournier. Um, she's My first introduction to her was in Quantum of Solace. Um, uh, she was also in Oblivion and a film I haven't seen, Vampire Academy. Um, she seems like an up-and-coming actress. Uh, maybe. Also, well, I'm sorry? Uh, I just said maybe. Yeah. Uh, also starring uh, Bill Smitrovic uh, as Hanley, Amelia Terzame, uh, people who watch um, uh, uh, what's, the, what's that uh, sport that she does called? <laughs> <laughs> Doggone it. Uh, gymnast. Oh, People who watch gymnastic sports, uh, they're they're going to be um, very upset with that. I can't pronounce her name. Uh, she played an assassin named Alexa. Uh, Katerina Scorsone. She seems that name seems more like a name you would hear in a gym, gymnastic setting. Uh, Katerina Scorsone played Celia. The composer was Marco Beltrami. Now that I have completely and totally butchered those names, Joe, would you like to tell us a little about this film? <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> well, did you? Well, real quick. I'm sorry. Just the order of the outline. I'm sorry. We got we got to stick to the outline, TJ. I'm going to do that tonight because I'm in the mood to. Do uh, it. The composer. Did you notice uh, Marco Beltrami? Did you notice anything about the music that was special to you? Nope. And I I find that a lot with Marco Beltrami. He does a passable job. Um, and he. I'm trying to make sure nothing he, bad, nothing annoying. Nothing yeah, exciting, yeah, it nothing was fine. I'm, I'm trying to see which film. I want to make sure I've got the right film here. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yes, he did uh, The Wolverine, and that was actually one of his better scores. Uh, that was the only one that stood out to me. The rest of his scores seemed pretty um, – like he did the score for The Giver. Um, and, and, oh, really? And it was fine. Um, yeah. Just okay. Yeah, he did the score for Trouble with the Curve, Warm Bodies, A Good Day to Die Hard, World War Z, The Wolverine, Snowpiercer. So wow, I guess, he gets I, I around. Guess, yeah, I guess maybe I'm I'm underselling him because he does do so, a, a good job. But this, you know, this felt pretty generic. Um, mm. Anyway, so okay, so back to the November Man. Pierce Brosnan, aka Peter Devereaux, aka the November Man, is a retired CIA agent that is reinstated by his former superior, unbeknownst to the agency. In a crazed cat-and-mouse chase around Europe, Devereaux is assigned a mission to protect a valuable witness involved in a very serious conspiracy. Conspiracy? Conspiracy. (laughs) This is not my night for enunciationables. While his former apprentice, David Mason, is assigned to track down and bring Peter into the CIA for a charge of murdering other spies. With growing suspicions of a mole in their midst, there is no one that Peter or David can trust. 
no rules and no holds barred. Shoot, shoot, bang, bang, bam, bam, pow, pow, slap. So now what is that last sentence that you did there? What is that all that about? Shoot, shoot, bang, bang, bam, bam. Uh, I, I, it's to quote something that I heard um, Emmett say in the Lego movie. <laughs> when he when he came into the uh, cowboy the western saloon yeah 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 okay yeah. i remember now uh the thing is like i think you're indicating that that it was like an overly um overly actiony movie with that overacted play. overplayed overstated mm. and very cliche uh, I would, but see, I would say like your whole shoot 'em up, bang bang, bam bam, that indicates a lot of action. And I actually found the pacing to be fine in the film, and and there was not, a, a, it wasn't over, like it wasn't filled so full of action that it was unbearable. I I didn't think that that this movie has many problems. I didn't think that was one of them. Sure, uh, I would agree that it there was a a fine storytelling pace because we got to see the development of characters. We got to see enough action scenes throughout that you didn't get tired. Mm-hmm. You also got a little bit of the character development for character driven moments and not just action driven moments so there were scenes that were just trying to play out like where they were and what they were up to apart from just action 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 go for it um what i dislike though is that the number of times there were guns involved and guns were instrumental throughout the entire film and usually the guns were just reduced to their uh base nature of um, we are using these guns to try and kill each other. And who are the other that are trying to kill each other? Well, we're all CIA agents and we're all trying to kill each other. And um, that just kind of a little bit overkill. There was a lot of gun action when they have guns. They're always in your face. Um, yeah. There was quite a number of uh, people getting killed and quite a number of times that CIA agents were shooting up other CIA agents and essentially killing them off. But who cares about them? They were one of the expendable crewmen uh, that you just don't really care about off screen. And they, they were just getting in the way. Um, of course there were bad guys that were shot down too, but uh, I don't know. It felt a little bit more like we were watching a spinoff of golden eyes in uh, 64 video game than actually a spy movie. And uh, for that reason, because it just got a little bit overkill, no pun intended on the gun action. <laughs> overkill. It sounds like a, a, a an achievement in a video game. Overkill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, the, the body count was really high of of um, of civilians. Like, in the Pierce Brosnan character, Peter Devereaux, he didn't care who he killed. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, in one scene, he injures a perfectly innocent girl who you know, uh, was, was sleeping with his enemy basically. And, and so, you know, he comes in and she's completely innocent. He knows it, but yet he, you know, he basically severs an artery, you know, in a test to see if this, this, this guy will, will save her or come after him and she might've died. And, and, and and we don't even know whether she did or not because the, 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 the story just never comes back to that. It's not a thing. It's, it's really bizarre. There's a, there's an entire scene where he just guns down a whole bunch of civilians because they're in his way. Well, you know, I want to go back to just one little thing about the essence of this film. First of all, why I like this film is because it is a, uh, it's got Pierce Brosnan in it. Um, then second of all, the reason I'm not crazy about this film is because it's a Pierce Brosnan movie. Mm. Um, what I mean by that is I generally speaking, enjoy his face. I appreciate the character moments that he is able to give. He's not a bad actor. He's not someone I dislike, like say John Travolta. And <laughs> he, he just, uh, he, he, is appealing to me. Like I'm always drawn to films with Ewan McGregor and Pierce Brosnan. And I don't know why I'm putting them in the same camp, but they're, yeah, they're, they're not the same at all. 
They're not, but they're in a lot of films that wind up to be very disappointing. And even though I really appreciate, you know, some of the finer qualities of the, who they are in the films that they, they're in. I don't know what it is. I just always come back to those actors and think, uh, yeah, I kind of want to see what they're in. And then I see their films and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of another glazed dud. Um, now, now, the other thing about this film, too, is that because it's based on a book, some of the people are saying that um, it's kind of messing around with the canon a bit too much for their liking. And it's not like this is a hugely effective, great action book that should have been adapted to a film. Yeah. It's not like the kind it's who's that really popular uh, novelist that most all of his books have been turned into some kind of movie or other. You would ask me that and it's not right on the forefront of my, uh, my brain. Um, yeah. You know, the films that Harrison Ford was in, you know, October Tom Clancy. Thank you. Like yes. this is not Tom Clancy worthy action and not Tom Clancy worthy movie or right. a Tom Clancy worthy novel. And uh, so that's probably why we've never heard of it. Not saying that it shouldn't exist. I'm just saying it's not stellar quality material. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I get what you're saying for sure. Um, and that's, you know, but you also say like, um, you know, people are, uh, mad that it's not like conforming to the book is did I hear you say that I'm just saying that it's it's not in keeping with the book like many a movie is where they chop they chop it up and take some elements from different stories to try and make it work for one film so for instance it's like you pointed out already the, this uh, movie is based on a book that is not called the November Man the November Correct. Man is the overarching name of the entire book series right and isn't it the name of one of the other books Yes, it is the name of one of the other books. Well, there um, you go. I mean, like that in and of itself is a little bit disjointed from the series. And I understand why they're doing it for the sake of the audience and marketing. But what I don't appreciate is that they're just, you know, messing with the minds of the fans who cared about the books in the first place. Yeah, it it, it was a little weird for sure. But but at the same time, it, like you say, it's not a super popular book series. And I don't mind them deviating from the books if it makes sense. It is just weird to me that they titled this film The November Man when there was another film in the series titled The November – or a book in the series titled The November Man. And this one is based on an entirely different book called um, uh, there, is no, there Are No Spies. Uh, what I want to know though is uh, I'm, uh, maybe in the context of the book The November Man made more sense – I don't understand what the November Man means. Still, like they tried to explain it in the film, and I don't get it. I don't understand. Why is he the November Man? Well, when when you come through, nobody. Uh, well, okay. Here here is the one quote from the entire movie on their IMDb page. You want to get this? This is one of the characters. This is um, uh, Pierce Brosnan's character's Peter Peter Devereaux's um, boss of sorts at the CIA. His name is Hanley, and Hanley says. Know why we used to call what we used to call you, Peter, the November Man? Cause after you passed through, nothing lived. You were one blink, blankety blank, my friend. And, uh, and what does that even mean? Yeah. Is it like because November is in the winter and everything's dead? Like, I, yeah, I, I guess, but that That's doesn't make point. any sense. Who cares? Like, why, why name your whole story after that? I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, it, 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 why, like. Okay, by that merit, then I guess the the uh, Marvel made a huge mistake. It should have been called Star Lord. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, did you know you want you talked about going in order, and yet we've been talking a lot about our dislikes. Did you want to go ahead and cover the likes, which is normally what we do first? Uh, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I guess those no, were fine. the things I just, the forefront I was curious. of my imagination. So, so for my likes, I really only have three, and I've already talked about one of them. The pacing of the film I thought was actually very good. Uh, in a in a in a uh, 
in a world where you know pacing is frenetic and you know you know shake the camera run around shoot things bang bang and we in in a transformers world i thought it was it was nice uh the pacing was nice it wasn't filled and stuffed over filled with action there was actually a little bit of plot that i enjoyed which brings me to my second point that um i did like the plot surrounding olga kirilenko's um character alice fournier um, I thought they depicted her exploitation by that general very tastefully. Um, unfortunately, there's a scene in the adult strip club that is not so tasteful. Uh, but her part of the story uh, was very respectful, I thought, and uh, well done. And I really enjoyed uh, the reveal of how that all worked. And, and, you know, we thought she was somebody else. And spoiler alert. And then she we find out that she's the one that, you know, has the information. And I thought that was very well done. I really liked that. Um, and then my, my final like, as you can see, my, my list of dislikes is much longer, <laughs> but my final like is that uh, despite some issues that I had with the writing of her character, I thought uh, Amelia, um, uh, Amila, Tara's, whatever, the, the gymnast girl, the, the, the um, assassin, um, she was very evil looking and uh, she looked like she could just take that braid of hers and beat you to death with it. <laughs> uh, I, I would agree. I, I enjoyed that, though, about her character. Um, I, I wish that there had been a, a plot involving her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good point. She really was just a thug. Yeah. So uh, um, and, and I, a thug I feel like really it didn't get to have much of a stirring payoff. She keeps on showing up and you're thinking, oh, OK, now she's going to do it. Oh, no, no. Look out. And yeah, then, well, uh, well, well, that's on my dislikes category. So we can come back to that. But, but I did okay. like I did, I did feel like her character had potential that was completely wasted. Well, her character, Alexa, actually had my favorite moment in the entire film with uh, the other character, Alice. Yes, when, I did love uh, that. She's chasing Alice and they get to this point where Alice is able to take advantage and surprise her. And she's sli- OK, I don't even know where she finds the shelf in the subway station but she finds a shovel and she whacks Alice uh, in the face with it around the corner I and that one moment I am uh, or I, was it the subway station or somewhere nearby it, it was it was a subway station yeah she was okay, like she was, was coming, the thing she came I was like, out okay, of like, the subway station and then you know she turns around and boom whacks her and, oh that that was the moment TJ that I just I was in my seat and I went yes and I fist pumped well like, it's funny I, you I say that I was really happy to see that the, the, I don't know were there any other people in the theater where, when you went to see it it was really awkward. You want to talk about that? Um, it was just two other people, and I'm pretty sure they were a, a mother and daughter. <laughs> the daughter must have been like in her mid 30s, oh, okay. and we were in I kid you not a, a like an IMAX size screen auditorium. So it was just you know loads and loads of theater seats and a huge, huge Pierce Brosnan well, on the screen. Well, I, I want to make a point related to what we were just talking about, but involving the audience. And for me, I was surprised. I went on a Monday night, and um, it was pretty late. Like, the movie's been out, and it didn't do that well. Anyway, I was surprised at how many people were there. There were, there were probably like uh, 15 or 20 of us. Um, and uh, But but that that shot got the biggest reaction out of the audience of, of everything. Like, as soon as that shovel came around, and, and as soon as Olga Kirilenko's character whacked her real good and knocked her out, there was this, you know, this auto, oh, yeah! And I heard one guy go, yeah, kick her, you know, butt. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they're really into it. I mean, uh, and that, that I, you know, I didn't write this down. I should have. That is the one other thing that I really liked about this film is that it did surprise me in a couple of ways, and it actually did keep me interested in the plot. Um, despite all the issues I have with this film that, that we're going to talk about, it did keep me interested. It kept my attention. 
I guess, are you done with your likes? I am, yes. Okay, well, I mean, for what it is worth, I appreciate that the film makes a noble effort to do something good with old material. Um, this is an older novel, and there's been a lot of action movies that have come along after it, kind of like The Giver, where, you know, the original novel, had it been turned into a film during its day, would have probably been a bit more amazing to us because it would have felt more fresh. But now that we have seen so many other action films, we've been uh, really uh, spoiled rotten. So a film like this one doesn't seem to be all that great of a hot object. Um, I think that it does some things that are not necessarily original, but very enjoyable and tasteful. Like there is this great um, relationship between the character Pierce Brosnan has and uh, what's his name? Luke Bracey has as David Mason. Uh, The character that david is is frustrating but the concept is a decent one the concept it is a decent one that there is this one agent who has his apprentice a younger agent they're both a lot alike the younger guy has a lot to learn from the older guy they don't get to work all that much together though before the older guy the november man retires so consequentially when the november man comes back the younger guy, David, feels like he is in charge now and he is able to run the show and he doesn't need the old man around anymore. And they're not father and son. They're a mentor and apprentice. And that's not something very often we get to see in movies in general. I love the uh, the uh, the like the experience that you can have between a mentor and an apprentice that you don't often see on film. Mm-hmm. And then it was pretty cool that we're seeing this between two spies. So usually that kind of relationship is reserved, or should I say the power play in a spy movie between these two kinds of characters is reserved between the good guy and one of the villains. You see the, uh, the good guy and the uh, bad guy trying to outdo each other. And that kind of thing is far more cliche than what they did with these two characters. It's just that in spite of the fact that this was an okay concept, it still doesn't help much that the source material uh, didn't do enough with their character development. And ultimately I was disappointed in the apprentice himself. David Mason just was a, a disappointing person. Like I understood why he made the choices he made, but in the middle of the film, he decides to have a fling with a girl that lives in the apartment across the hallway. <laughs> right. And this is now I'm entering into my, my disappointments with the film. So we're, you're done with your likes. You're, you're transitioning <sighs> really, smoothly. Really? Into I am like, I enjoyed Pierce. Uh, I'm glad to see that he was in an okay film and I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm glad I watched the film, but certainly it was uh worth seeing Pierce again. Right. And I was impressed that he's actually still able to hold up his uh, action chops. Yeah. That's another nicety. Okay. So going back to David Mason, he basically uh, has the girl across the apartment, always uh, flirting with him with her cat. And so he's like, okay, I don't know what it is. Like you can give him a couple of different reasons for why he might just want to have a fling with this girl, but he has a, you know, a date with her and then everything turns out to be a mess. But in the film itself, while it's happening, you're just really annoyed with David. You're really annoyed that he has taken advantage of the girl. He obviously is uh, involved in some very serious and dangerous things. He's taking advantage of an innocent civilian just for, you know, immoral, you know, action that he wants to gratify himself with. He ends up getting the girl into serious danger and not only getting her into danger, but actually causing her physical bodily harm because of his sloppiness. They didn't tell us in the film. They didn't tell us. I know. What was with that? I figure she died. 
Well, we see her wheeled, wheeled away in the ambulance, but then uh, it's just assumed that, ah, well, whatever. It doesn't whatever. really matter what happens to her. It he decided really to matter. save her, therefore she lives. What, like, like, no, Devereaux severed her femoral artery. Like, you don't, you don't sever an artery and live. You just don't. Especially I mean, in another country. Not, not, <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, okay. I'm not proud of America's, you know. You uh, don't sever an artery and live when help is, is not, like, right there on the spot. Like, the, the paramedics are not right there. Like, that's just not going to happen. I mean, Yeah, I, I know how sloppy sometimes that the uh, emergency medical attention can be in the United States. So, therefore, it cannot be better, much better than that in another country. And I know Europe for what it is, and I've seen bad things. I've heard bad things. And, you know, she has to be rushed away to the hospital hospital because yes she's mostly already bled to death before she can get there like yikes that's that's terrible and um you know going back to pierce again it was it was really hard to like the guy and to root for him after he had done that because what is he trying to do he is ultimately trying to help the damsel in distress in the movie so to get at his apprentice who he needs to help him he is going to hurt this other girl who yeah, might as it, it well was, have been was, the damsel in distress. Yeah, it was a very strange move. Um, and, 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 and it was almost like he was trying to make it like a test, but it was more like uh, this is both a test and it's going to help me get away because I know that he's ultimately going to choose to save her uh, for whatever that's worth or however that works and the paramedics and the help are so far away. So he's just going to sever her artery. And we're, you can't be both a killer and a human. You can't do both. And I'm going to sever this girl's artery and then see what you do. I mean, it was just bizarre. It was bizarre. Um, yeah, that that's a major like when the when the movie did that, it it like really lost me. I was okay with the movie. It was probably at that point in my mind like a three star movie at that point. And then it did that, and I'm like, whoa, what? What just happened here? I don't even understand what just happened here. So it, it didn't make any sense to the larger plot of the film. Um, it, it really was just like, hey, we're going to throw this in here to show that Pierce Brosnan, hey, he's, uh, he's, you know, he's kind of a, a, a bad dude, you know, kind of, he's, he does whatever he wants to do. He takes, you know, and he makes it a point later to tell, um, to tell the Olga, Olga Karolinko, um, Alice, Alice Fournier, he tells her later that, uh, don't think of me as a good guy. I'm not a good guy. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet the movie wants to have its cake and eat it too because it like it you know sometimes you see him shooting civilians and and you know severing thermal arteries and then but then it sets him up as the hero like I don't understand I'm getting completely mixed messages from this film uh and uh, I I guess and uh, I guess uh I I'm okay with most of the film's elements like I wasn't grossly disappointed or disgusted by much Except really going back to the, just the content, it seems like not often does the content really concern me. But considering how it was executed, it really disappointed me how often uh, the inappropriate R-rated worth... Uh, I'm really scrambling eggs here. The <laughs> rated R-related material in this film, I feel like was used to draw out the audience to the theaters. Oh, for and sure. at the same time... It just, it it doesn't especially work out and add that much to the film. So what I go away with remembering is just how I didn't want to be assaulted by some of the inappropriate content in the film. So I would never be comfortable sharing this kind of film with the guys because 
I know that they all have wives, you know, things like that kind of concern me. Even if the end of the film is a moment you want to cheer for where it's like, whew, yay. Okay. Finally, they got things resolved and in, in, in an okay shape, they got the bad guy. Good. All right. You know, we, we're excited. This is, this is a bit of resolve. Whew, glad we got that tension over with. I don't think it's worth the two hour ride of the film. No, I completely agree. Um, and I, like I said, I don't usually bring up things like, uh, you know, the inappropriate content, but this time it just stood out a bit more to me in a sore, awkward way. Well, it didn't serve any purpose. And that's the thing, like, I'm okay with R-rated movies, but it needs, like, like you, when you go there, you, it needs to serve a purpose. It needs to serve the story. And and I didn't feel like any of the R-rated material, like you say, I didn't feel like it served the story. It was there for the shock value. Um, it was, it was there, you know, particularly the, the strip club, uh, that, that was literally just for the shock value. Um, because later in the film when, uh, and again, I'm glad they did it tastefully, but like, if you were going to make an argument for why you need an R-rated film, the rape scene that, uh, Olga Karolenko recounts and relates and, and relives would have been a better use of that. You might make the argument for, I wouldn't. But I'm just saying, like, it was purely the shock value was only reason it was rated R. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't really given away a lot of the film, and I'm glad that we didn't. In case you are catching the film, um, for what it is worth, one of the reasons you might want to go see this film is if you're an old fan of Pierce Brosnan's uh, James Bond films. Yeah, and and I'm a fan of Pierce Brosnan from his days in Rem- in Remington Steel, which, by the way, is a fantastic old series. I I I I. I I find that I don't often like older TV series, but Remington Steel is a fantastic older TV series that if you haven't watched, shame on you. It's on Netflix, DVDs, go get it. It's hmm. it's wonderful. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, though, going back to the James Bond era, Pierce Brosnan um, mystique that I, I, I touched upon earlier, but I, I didn't really want to uh, uh, highlight until just now. It kind of occurs to me how much this film has in common with uh, the the James Bond uh, feel it's uh, it's obviously not a blatant ripoff. I don't feel like they were trying to achieve the same yeah. things. I mean, it's as, more like a mishmash of, of James Bond mishmash. and other stuff that Pierce Brosnan has done. Yeah, like, it's like they took some ideas out of the Jason Bourne films. They took a couple out of Bond, and they, they took some out of you know whatever. Uh, for all we know, Die Hard. You know, but the thing is, is when it's all said and done, uh, because this is Pierce, it seems like the the James Bond qualities are drawing more attention to themselves. Just going back to things as simple as the tagline for the November Man is a spy is never out of the game. Yeah, and and it's like we know what the double meaning of that is there, but there there's also another hidden meaning there, and it's but it's a bit more plain, honestly, is that the that this is a game. This is a game to the story. You know, really, just this what the spies are doing is all just a bunch of cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. And I, that kind of disappoints me. Like, that sets the tone for the film. And while the film wants you to take very seriously the things that the villains are up to, that the bad guys are, or the good guys are trying to thwart, there's too much of a gray area. And too much of the activity of the spies is played up as just a very elaborate game with real guns and it doesn't matter who and real, dies in passing. real bystanders right so it, it trivializes the seriousness of uh, this kind of violence and it also trivializes the work of real world spies 
And by the time it's all over, you don't really appreciate any sort of moral message value and you don't come away with, you know, much of any kind of edification, really, because of the nature of this action film. So, yeah, I, I miss the days uh, when R-rated films took themselves much more seriously. Like this, this film is R-rated, but it doesn't take itself seriously. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't communicate the seriousness of the R-rating. It's it's flippant about it. And I miss the day. I mean, I mean, think of of films uh, that are rated R, like um, uh, Schindler's List. I mean, that's I know that's a, a low. Oh, okay. Low. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what kind of R-rated films you were thinking of. Well, I, was I mean, like, but just just think of older R-rated mm. films. They're very like they yeah. don't make light of the fact that they're R-rated. And in general, I'm sure they did, but but in general, I mean, it feels like R-rated films now are like, oh yeah, it's R-rated. We'll throw in some you know nudity here, some upper body here. Oh, let's hear some blood, guts, and gore for you. You know, it's just sort of thrown in there. It doesn't feel like it's done with purpose and with art and with I, I just I don't know. It just it, it frustrates me. Yeah. You you, you uh, sound like you you think that I'm off base on that. No, I I don't really have an opinion. It's hard for me to make an analytical determination from the broad scope of um uh, you know film ratings then versus now. Um I haven't really paid a lot of attention to uh, films with the R rating back in the 90s and beforehand because I was just a kid then mm. and by the time I was old enough to really appreciate uh films with a uh you know uh, more of a higher rating I was I just had enough time to basically get by watching all the movies that were currently coming out mm. so those are the ones I've been paying attention to mainly the last 10 years yeah I mean it's fair um, all right, so I'm, I'd like to talk about a few things. In minor, you you make uh, you make it hard to follow you because uh, you have these coherent you know points and things that you you talk about. I have a I have a bullet points here that I want to go through. Um, you know, my, my my overwhelming thought on this film is that it, it it ought to be a slam dunk. I mean, think about what the film purports to be. I mean, he's a you know well trained CIA dude. Uh, you know, James Bond esque character played by a James Bond actor. Uh, he's retired, highly skilled. He's called back for a last mission. Uh, you know, just, it feels like it should be a slam dunk. I mean, even even if the even if the CIA American dude has a completely Irish accent, that's neither here nor there. Um, it, it feels like it ought to be a slam dunk. Why isn't it a slam dunk? I, I just what, how do you take how do you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory like that? Um, you know, Devereaux never ever loses a fight or makes a bad call in this film. And I feel like the hero's journey almost always involves, and is better for it, it almost always involves making a bad call or, or, or losing a fight or, or some, there's some, you know, inflection point that never happens in this film. I mean, this guy is just perfect. He always makes the right call. He always does the right thing. He never, he, he's never in a situation he doesn't want to be in. He, you know, he always maneuvers things just right. And I suppose you could say, well, that's a sign that he's the older agent who knows exactly what he's doing, but yeah. it doesn't make, it doesn't make for an interesting story. Like Peter Devereaux literally never made a mistake in this film. And consider, and, yeah. And again, like you said, like just considering how old the man was and out of, out of shape he had been because he had been, out of duty for many years, just running a coffee shop. I mean, for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, I've already touched on this. He, this was one of my bullet points. He kills a lot of innocent people. Um, you know, there, like I said, there's that scene where he just mows down a whole bunch of people that are in his way. Uh, it, it just drives me nuts. Like this is the hero we're supposed to be looking at in this film. Um, 
the you know the Alexa the assassin uh, the, who is a, a Bosnian gymnast uh, whose name I can't pronounce. Uh, you know they do this whole routine where you know they you see her walking through the thing and they, they she gets to the hotel and she goes in there and she's limbering up right and she's oh and you're like oh this is gonna be good you know this is this old man going up against this young woman who super limber and she you know it's kind of it's kind of gonna gonna kind of be like the, uh, the 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 fourth Die Hard film where you know he, where Maggie Q beats up what's his name uh, what is the Die Hard guy's name. Um, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah, it's gonna be where Maggie Q beats up Bruce Willis. It's gonna be that sort of thing, and then it's just like nothing ever comes of that. Nothing. She does nothing in this film except that they cut to her sometimes trying to get information and find out where people are, and then she shows up and she's always thwarted, and nothing ever happens, and it's just not fulfilling in any way. I didn't understand. I Joe, I did not understand why she was in this film. Please, ex- please help me understand why she was in this film. <laughs> Can't I can't help it. you there, TJ. Yeah, can't do it, can you? No. Um, Devereaux constantly talks about how he's not a good guy, don't idolize me, blah, blah, blah. And and yeah, and, and on the one hand, yes, like we talked about, he kills the innocent people. Um but at this you know, at the same time, the film upholds him as this dude, you know, and, and even he himself is like he's trying to do the right thing, trying to do the good thing, and trying to help her and 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 make sure the right thing happens and I don't know. It was such a mixed message, um, and I, I just didn't, un, you know, didn't didn't understand what they were trying to do there. Did did you understand what they were trying to say? <sighs> no. <laughs> was, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm sorry. I wish I could help you, TJ. If you were on your deathbed, I still wouldn't have any okay. answers for you. Joe, here's where I think I disagree with you. You talked about how you enjoyed uh, Luke Bracey's character, uh, Mason, David Mason, uh, and his rapport with with. Uh, um, uh, Pierce Brosnan and, and all that stuff. Here's the thing, for me, every single time Luke Bracey was on the screen, I wanted to stab my eyeballs out. He was awful. He's a terrible actor. He should never be in another movie ever again. It was awful. I didn't like anything about him. He had nothing that I wanted in that film. Am I am I off base here? I I can understand where you're coming from because it seems like the actor was. Uh, more mindful of how cool he looked on screen than actually delivering an interesting character. And perhaps yes. it was more or less, he, he struck me as the kind of actor that maybe got his start in modeling rather than acting. I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, um, what I guess I liked about him was that he was a fresh face and I wasn't expecting all that much from the character. Normally uh, this kind of film, it, you know, like going back to Jason Bourne for a quick example, usually there's just Jason Bourne. And for the most part, there's a couple of bad guys, but you're not going to see much in the way of other supporting protagonist roles. And I don't know if that's a, uh, just a, a, um, a, the general story mechanic of spy agent movies or what, but typically you just don't see much in the way of the supporting protagonist roles. And so it was nice that this was a little bit different from that, that there was a side character that had something to do with the protagonist that wasn't there there just to make, you know, just to be bad. And uh, I appreciated that from just uh, breaking away from the typical. And what was the thing that came to my mind? Oh, yeah, I, I guess it wasn't so much uh Bracey's actual performance that I especially liked but I liked that he reminded me of someone else which is <laughs> he reminded me of a younger Sean Bean what I'm not saying he you did a good are job. out of your mind I'm not saying he was on par I'm just saying he reminded me of a younger Sean Bean 
is there a sanity test that we can run on you? Is there an online sanity? Is this quick? Can I, is there something on? I can send you on uh, Skype. Let me, I, let me check. I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I just no, just no. Um, so speaking of Luke Bracey's character, um, uh, Devereaux trained him to not have any attachments. Um, you know, and, and that when he was like uh, seeing this girl or whatever at the beginning of the film, is like, you can't have any attachments, blah, 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 he's just going to get hurt, blah, 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 blah. And so, like, the indication is the training, because Devereaux trained uh, David. The, the the indication is that this is the way he's trained him and he, not to have any attachments. And, you know, and yet we find out that Peter Devereaux has these attachments himself. And this, you know, this makes this makes him go into his Hulk rage. And, and, and when they when they start killing off, you know, people that he loves and, you know. And he, he yells at this dude in, later in the film for being less than human and, and for being a killing machine. It's like, well, that's what you trained him to be. Again, with the what are you saying? I don't understand. What message is this? Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Did, did, did you have that trouble with the film? Did it make sense to you? <laughs> well, yeah, this is another problem that I see with some spy action films is they try to become more important and sophisticated than they actually are. And so, and so like... Um, over-engineering the dialogue. Yes, yes. They complicate matters. They're always so indirect. They're never calling things as they are. They'll never just be plain. And it's like the exact opposite of something like, say, a Western, where everything seems to be so straightforward and down-to-earth, and we're just going to call it as it is. Like, you know, hey, you're a bad man, sir, and I'm going to blow your head off. You know, like, that's exactly what you'd expect <laughs> to hear, you know, from Russell Crowe and, you know, whomever in a Western at, like, 310 to Yuma. But you're not going to get that in a spy film. You know, you can come to the very end of the entire Jason Bourne series, and if you don't really pay some scrutiny to the dialogue you could very easily be confused about what is going on and i think that that often happens i think a lot of the audience is not paying attention to the dialogue they want to just get the thrill and that's what a lot of action does for us so you know they i think that it's um it's it's really silly at this point because it seems to be just uh well it worked in the other film so let's do it here too and I don't know, maybe the novel was more sophisticated, but the way it was executed and translated into the film, it just doesn't carry any water. Right. All right, my list is almost through. Um, the action, even though I like the pacing of the film, and there was a couple of action sequences that I really enjoyed. I really liked the part where where he was talking on the phone uh, and keeping keeping David, you know, where Devereaux was keeping David preoccupied, and Devereaux thought, well, it's to my advantage to keep him on the phone, and when no, really, it was to Devereaux's advantage. I, I like that sequence. It was all good. Um, but in general, most of the time, the action left a little bit to be desired. It, it just it, it felt subpar. Hmm. Uh, and then finally, um, we're never really shown the relationships they keep talking about. They're just assumed. Uh, this, this is particularly true with the daughter, who shows up uh, in the third act, uh, as a, a thing that that has Devereaux's attention, basically, they kidnap his daughter, who we haven't heard about before, and she just shows up, and we don't understand what's going on there, and it's just sort of a thing. Like there were the relationships were severely underdeveloped in this film. That's yeah, it. that's it for me. Well, you know what we've definitely done. I think we have dug ourselves into a lower star rating than we started out with before we started the podcast. At least that's the way I feel. Well, I here's the thing: you may have seen in the notes that I put two and a half out of five uh, when I and at the time I had not made my bullet points yet. I just had a lot of loose ideas floating in my head. I thought I need to sit down and finalize kind of what I want to say in the podcast, and I and I I've lowered it from from two and a half. It, it's not a two and a half star film. It just doesn't make it. 
Yeah, and I have to agree. I started out at a two out of five stars because on the one hand, I kind of just wanted to cut it some slack because I wasn't especially angry at the film. Right. But then under any sort of analysis, it crumbles into pieces. And then the idea of recommending this film to anyone just isn't going to happen. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't rewatch it. I wouldn't watch it with my wife, even on a casual night when there was nothing else to watch. I just wouldn't bother. I do think your new star rating that you just typed in is is a little harsh because, like you said, it, it never it didn't make me angry per se. I I didn't. It wasn't like I wasn't engaged. I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a little harsh, but at the same time, we did talk about a lot of things we don't like about this film. Yeah, that that's that's the real tally of it. Like if I actually listed it all out, we probably had way more of the dislikes, and I have to agree with yours, and I obviously agree with mine. So right, obviously. You, you don't ever disagree. I mean, if you disagreed with yourself, I mean, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So, <laughs> and Nora Joseph. So, final thoughts, Joe. Uh, just kind of wrap it up for summarize for us. Give us your start rating. I appreciate this noble attempt to make a good re mm-hmm, a comeback for Pierce Brosnan's action career. Uh, interestingly enough, he was one of the producers in the film and mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely keeping him employed and he didn't do too badly because it's made a profit. But I am just really disappointed because it doesn't live up to anything special that Pierce has brought to cinema before. Uh, Even with um, a decent actress like Olga, who put in a a pretty decent performance, uh, the film lacks too much luster. And uh, sadly, uh, I just don't appreciate the substance. I don't care about the plot. I don't care about the characters. So it gets uh, just one and a half. Sorry. Yeah. One and a half out of five stars. Okay. Uh, I'm sitting at two out of five stars. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend the film, as you say. Um, it just had way too many things wrong with it. It didn't. Uh, it just didn't didn't make good use of its the elements that it had available to it. It didn't do anything interesting. It did not develop the characters. It uh, had many many issues, which we've already discussed. Um, and so it gets two out of five. I don't recommend it. Don't watch this film. I don't even think that you should get it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever or watch it later. It's just not worth it. Uh, it does some a couple of nice things that it, you know it tries to do the the whole plot surrounding um, uh, Olga Kurylenko's character Alice Fournier uh, was was very good um, and I wish that the film had the rest of the film had lived up to that um, and 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 as you say she did a good job with the role that she was given uh, she was a very good actress but it just doesn't work um, the film just doesn't work on on very many levels at all. And so, based on that, I have to give it a 2 out of 5 stars. IMDb rates it at 6.7 out of 10. That's the user rating. And then um, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics are sitting at 36% uh, approval rating, so not very good. And then the audience is higher at 62%. And you got to think that some of that is just for seeing um, Pierce Brosnan back in action. So, that's uh, that's uh, The November Man, which is a strangely titled film. That's a wrap. So next week we're going to be talking. This is something you wanted to talk about: the hundred foot journey. Oh, did I? Did yes, I say that? You did. Oh yeah. Well, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I just recommended it. It's uh, it's I, definitely called some attention, and it's got um, it's got some praise. I have I, absolutely I say- no idea what this film is even about. All I know is that it was produced by Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey, and Ooh. some people like it. Okay. Uh, well, that's what we. It does have some interesting names in it, like Helen Mirren, for instance. So. Um, we will be discussing that film next week. Um, we'll, we'll see it this weekend and discuss it next week. And that's what's on the agenda. 
Um, Mr. Joe Darnell, would you tell people so kindly where they might follow your musings and your your thoughts and your comments and your sometimes wrong opinions about Apple and, and watches? Uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit of inside baseball to our offline conversations. Uh, so <laughs> tell people where uh, where they can find that. I think that's called Inside Sports Watch, TJ. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can find me on joedarnell.com, but I really like to get social on the internet via Twitter. So catch me there. I am J- underscore Joe Darnell. And, uh, when you don't find me on my website or writing on Twitter, I'm probably catching a movie. So if you happen to run into me in the movies, don't be creepy. So just leave me alone. <laughs> no. If you run into me at the movie theater, you're welcome to come up and say hi. Don't be creepy, but you can say hi and you can shake my hand. That's fine. Uh, I don't think that anybody in the national area <laughs> listens to me, though, so who cares? Uh, I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> like, hey, you know what? I have come across a couple of fans for movieology in the past, and I was like, oh, uh, hi. That's kind of weird that yeah, some passerby. I'm, you, you know, I'm driving down the four-lane ro- highway, and somebody passing by me in the other lane recognizes me. And I'm like, they're freaking out, and they're like, hey, it's a celebrity. It's him. Look. And I'm like what the heck is going on you listened to analog this week didn't you it's the truth it happened to me i'm not making it up i'm okay. not living that vicariously through a podcast anywho if you would like to follow me uh, i also get social on the internet over at twitter twitter.com slash tj draper pro uh, at TJ Draper Pro. Uh, if you have TweetBot, you can type that in there and follow me there or go to the website, as I mentioned. But Twitter doesn't have a website. What's that all about? Uh, so, yes, uh, Twitter. That's where you can find me. Um, you can also find my writing where I write a little bit every day, sometimes a lot, or release podcasts or whatever at moviebyte, M O V I E B Y T E dot com. Show notes for this episode. If you uh, if you don't have a podcast client that pulls in them automatically, most of them do. But if you just want to get to the webpage for this podcast, it is moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 105. And that is it for us. Stay tuned for next week uh, where we will talk about the 100-foot journey. And with that, we're out of here. See you, Joe. Good night.